Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey, it's Erica, and welcome back to another episode of In Doubt. We're so happy you're here with us, and today's episode is one you won't want to miss. We've got Daniel here talking with Dr. Josh Cruz, a psychologist and pastor of counseling at Village Church. He is passionate about helping people heal and grow to be more like Jesus in every area of their life. Daniel and Josh are taking some time today to discuss mental health, what it is, how to practically improve your own mental health, and even support the mental health of those around you. We're so glad you're here and hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, welcome back to In Doubt. My name is Daniel Markin, and I'm joined again uh, with Dr. Josh Cruz, and we're continuing a conversation that we were having around mental health and anxiety and depression and how we understand this both psychologically and from a spiritual side of things as Christians. So, Josh, good to be back with you. Yeah, thanks for having me back on the show, Dan. It was fun the first time, so looking forward to it. Sweet. So, I've heard it said that much of PhD work is persistence, that like you can have some of the, the smartest people in the world who won't actually ever finish their PhD because they didn't have the patience and they didn't have the persistence that is needed. When you're doing your PhD, the thing you need the most is curiosity about that one topic. And my question for you is, what got you so interested in the area of counseling and Christianity, like, because you had to be super curious about that to go real deep. What was it that you discovered that you said, I just need to know everything about this and integrating that? Tell us a little bit about how you integrated your faith and psychology. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that that exactly uh, was the reason that I did the deep dive. That uh, First off, general interest in people, understanding uh, why we tick, why we do what we do, just even managing life too, whether it's uh, feeling anxious about this or, or a little less motivated. Um, yeah, I mean, in high school, a little bit of trying to understand uh, girls or uh, women, uh, uh, they think different. Um, and if I, I like her, so if I can figure out maybe a little bit more about what makes her tick, then uh, maybe I can get her to like me. And so that was some of the initial seeds of that. But no, as I as I started getting into, uh, so I did master's in marriage family therapy, and I got to learn all the psych stuff of uh, our brain, understanding that and our thoughts, our, our views or perceptions of, of ourselves, of others, our emotions and how they impact what we do and um, was loving that. And it was good. And and I was able to then, because part of it, you're, you're training and coming alongside people. This is good. This is helpful. But then I started finding, yeah, but my faith is such a huge part of my worldview, how I understand pain, suffering, plan, purpose, meaning, like it's, it has such a robust impact on who am I, uh, who are others, why am I here on this, uh, on this earth? And a big part, especially in counseling, is how do I make sense of this difficulty that's right in front of me, whether that's I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling depressed, uh, relationship conflict. Uh, what's next? I mean, that's huge. But if we're not ever then taught purely psychologically, how do we navigate that? How do, what's the right decision? Uh, we'll talk about God's will for our lives uh, in the secular sense, a bit more of a what makes sense or um, a pursuit of happiness, like what matters in this world, but not knowing how to actually incorporate the two. And so I, 
I felt the tension between that. Uh, or let's say I'm sitting with somebody and they're talking about, I'm just so discouraged. I'm feeling so down and depressed. Uh, yeah, my, uh, my worldview, Christian worldview is like, uh, you need Jesus. Um, but then I also have the legal ethical things of what can I bring in? What does that look like? So how do I make sense of, uh, maybe I'm not saying you need Jesus, but maybe I'm, I'm creating a safe space for them. I'm um, in a healthy and appropriate way, loving them through providing counsel. Like, am I actually helping them? Am I harming them? So that was, that was the big uh, impetus for the deep dive of, I need to know what I'm doing here. And then even hearing the opposition, some people like, whoa, psychology, you're going that route. That's, that's dangerous stuff. It has such a bad history. And uh, basically people need the Bible and they need Jesus and psychology has no place. Yeah, because just to jump in, oh, psychology, that's anti-faith, right? You, you don't need to, to, to understand psychology. You need to understand God better. And uh, not understanding that, well, God also created psychology and he created our brains and our, our personalities. And there's this emotional feel that all is, is a part of this, too. Yeah. And so uh, understanding the human person. Um, so, yeah, God created us, which he did. Then a uh, deeper understanding of what makes us function actually, I think, glorifies him even more so. Uh, we get to understand the creator as we even on a brain level come into neurons firing and neurons that fire together, wire together and it's, a, it's beautiful and understanding habits and, uh, I mean, spiritual disciplines. Why am I not reading my Bible? Why am I? Well, let's, let's deep dive into what's happening in our brains. And, and maybe there are even some strategies around that which can help me uh, be in the Word more so. Well, I think that's pretty valuable. And, I mean, we do have to watch. And I, and I, I get some of the, the kickback from the, the psychology realm and the history where it has done damage or... Uh, essentially, you're trying to find the power from within. Like it's it's within you find that, and that's then the source. Like like a self help sort of thing. Yeah. Because I, I, the way I've kind of thought about this is, oftentimes the narrative throughout history that you've seen is you would look outside of your sphere to figure out you know who you are. So you're looking outside to figure out, and oftentimes that was what does your religion say, what does your family say, and that has a big influence on who you are. But nowadays, kind of in our postmodern, our post-truth, a lot of talk about finding your own story, your own truth, we actually look inward and say, well, what do I see inward about myself? And then now I, I let that project outward. So in the past, it was outside, then that shaped us inward. Now it's, well, what's inward? And I'll, I'll shoot that outward. And well, as Christianity, we're actually kind of more of that, that old way of, of living, yeah, well, and even uh, so identity development, which is huge, it's the core uh, from a psychological and a faith perspective of who we are matters. I, I, I take me wherever I go, you take you wherever you go. And I mean, even look at the uh, big picture impact of shame and guilt in this world, where yeah, the enemy is just trying to heap that stuff on us, put us in a corner, essentially, and say, you're good for nothing, you're a fill in the blank, um, all these shame messages. Uh, well, scripture has a way to battle that. Who does God say I am and what difference does that make in my life? I'm then a child of God. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows how many hairs are on my head. Um, he calls me beloved. Oh, man, that if we can actually embrace that, that changes everything. But if we're looking outside of ourselves, then, yeah, what's mom saying, dad saying, grandma, grandpa, teachers, peers, bullies, all sorts of people, social media. And if that's the sole source of who we are in our identity, 
well, that's going to make such a big difference. Sometimes that can build us up and there can be an encouragement in that and a strength in that. But a lot of times it'll actually tear us down or break us down. And who are we? Who am I in this world? I mean, faith and psychology have voices into that. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about how our world views mental health issues. Let's just go secular world. And, and I don't want to make it like secular world as this this bad, everything is horrible and wrong in our secular world. A lot of good research in psychology has come from our secular world. But as we've talked about, there is, you know, and, and as you said, you've wrestled with how do you integrate Christianity? Because you and I would both say our Christianity actually gives us the answer, which is Christ uh, in, a, in a very complex world. So um, if you could say, talk a little bit about how, what most people think about mental health in the secular world and then maybe I'll start off with this question. As you think about the study of mental health in our secular world, what breaks your heart the most? Hmm. Um, yeah, just even starting right there, I think the loss that comes from that. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, it's not a we're doing all good, all bad, um, healthy, unhealthy. I actually think there's quite a bit of overlap um, yeah, if we create the dichotomy of like natural, supernatural. I think God works then in the, I know he works in the natural as well. And that's part of, as we we're talking about earlier, studying the human person and how we function, uh, how we think and disordered thinking and emotions. And what do we do with that and actions and habits and what gets in the way of that? Like, I think there's a lot of overlap in that. But then if we take just a purely natural view on that, there's such a, like, that's where my heart breaks of there's such a sadness or a loss. Like, an understanding of who we are um, as a person and our identity. Um, huge aspect is the source, the power for us to carry out anything. Like, man, we've got access to the Holy Spirit. Uh, Ephesians 3.20 talks about to him who can do immeasurably more than we can think or ask by the power at work within us. Man, if I don't tap into a power source, then I'm running naturally and I'm going to run out before you know it. Um, yeah, it's a huge source of then direction, of empowerment, um, in order to actually carry out the big picture of what on earth are we here for? Like, what are we doing? Um, and he speaks into that significantly. So I just, I see uh, lost people that are lost in many ways, um, not knowing uh, what is my next step? How do I manage what's right in front of me? Anxiety, depression, COVID, finances, health. We're always gonna have something in front of us to a greater or lesser extent. Um, I grieve for people that are then there. It's like they're groping in the dark. They're, they're trying to figure out where am I? What do I do with this? Is there any hope in this world? And that's the beauty of the gospel. There's incredible hope. Like Christ came down into darkness in order to bring light and hope and direction to help pick us up to then carry out the plans and the purposes that he has for us. Like, man, if you pull back on that, there are some great natural things we can do to manage life and, and they're good um, and we need them like sleep is great we don't have to then we can talk about it from a sabbath and a rest place um to more explicitly integrate faith into it but that's just a basic eat food like you're hangry like put something in your mouth um because that's actually going to help you function in this moment and that's where we need the natural and the supernatural uh but to remove one or the other uh, completely we're not we're not functioning optimally um and it's i mean it's sad really mm -hmm. so then let me ask you this uh what frustrates you the most when christians talk about mental health mm. 
I think we have to be careful that sometimes we'll, and I'm assuming well-meaning, we'll slap a Bible verse on something, we'll, uh, especially when it comes to mental health of, well, have you been praying about it? Awesome question. Like maybe you'd be less anxious if you prayed more. Um, you know what? There's probably some truth in there. I don't, and it, and it depends person by person, no matter what, of course, um, we could be, can be, and, and should be praying more about it. But we have to watch the what are we actually saying and what's the message received? Is my anxiety a direct result of me not praying? Or is we have all different neurochemicals within our brain, different levels. I think there'd be a lot more grace and less stigma if we could just have these little printouts on our forehead of, oh, your serotonin level is a little bit lower than mine and, and your dopamine level is a little bit higher and norepinephrine, all those pieces in there. I think there'd be a lot more grace and we would probably say uh, that sort of stuff a little bit less of, yeah, you're just not praying enough. Um, are you in the word? Uh, so I, I think we have to be really careful there. There's truth in that. Like if we don't come back to the source, we're not spending time with God. Uh, I was actually just reading it this morning in Hebrews, but talking about the drift is there. Like we need to meditate on these things because we're, we're going to naturally, our proclivity is to move away from him and the source and truth and life and light. And so we have to actively enter in. So do we need to read our Bible? Yeah, all the spiritual disciplines, sure, uh, for our thriving and developing our relationship with Jesus and tapping into the source. But uh, let's give a little more grace and maybe even a little more curiosity of, well, what might be going on in their life right now? Let's say um, uh, somebody dies and then uh, we show up at um, that person's house. So let's say it was their their sibling had passed away. Um, and say, well, they're in a better place. Um, God gives us hope. You should be fine. No more tears. Um, let's go. Like, we don't do that. Like, that's ridiculous. But do we do that to a lesser extent with, with other things? Can we give room for grieving? Can we give room for struggle um, in there without then indirectly condemning somebody or judging them in that? So I find myself getting a little fired up even as I talk about it right now. But let's, let's be careful. Let's show love to people and grace and understanding. Yeah. So do you think that has impacted the way that, that Christians talk about mental health in the church? And what I mean by that is it seems to me that in our secular world that you have things like Bell Let's Talk, right, which is a day a year where the company Bell is saying, hey, it's actually really healthy to talk about mental health. And they're, they're bringing awareness to this, that our secular world says this is a thing that, that a lot of people deal with. And by sharing this, this is like you know, it's, it begins some of the release of that. But do you think kind of the, the classic, all oh, the, the Christians slapping a Bible verse onto that and, you know, you need to have more faith, is, is that sort of thing causing a lot of Christians to just be quiet about issues of mental health? I, I think so, because uh, I think mental health uh, struggles can also be, uh, there can be shame with that too. Uh, hey, do you want to struggle with this or not? Well, I don't. Um, nobody does. Yet I do. How is that going to be received by people? Um, sometimes it can be even in the secular world, like seen as weak. Um, what, do you, what do you mean you're not getting out of bed in the morning or you have a hard time going to work or getting the job done? And those messages come out. And so that has its own silencing effect. But then um, historically, um, yeah, I think as a church, we, we haven't done it great um, in talking about it. Uh, whereas, I mean, there are great ministries out there, Sanctuary Ministries, one of them, where we try to go into a church and let's 
let's do like uh, the let's talk sort of thing. Let's get this going. Um, at Village a couple of weeks ago, we did uh, around mental health. Why, why did we do that? We want to make it more normative. Like we are in this together. Let's not uh, put people in a box. Let's not put struggles in a box. If we are actually going to do life together, we're going to have to go into these places. And what a gift it would be to actually be the church within this realm. People who are struggling to varying levels or degrees, because the risk would be we're not going to ask, we're not going to talk about it, because either on the one hand, I don't want to say the wrong thing, and yikes, um, let's not go there. Um, or people just won't even share what's going on for them because the, the shame, um, I don't want to be seen in a different way in, in light of that. But the more normal, normative we can make it, that's where the power of our testimony is big. If we can, like vulnerability helps bring about vulnerability. If I can share more vulnerably what's going on in my life and uh, what I've struggled with, then that gives permission to somebody else because we're indirectly or unconsciously saying, what's it safe to talk about here? And that's where I think as uh, in terms of churches, uh, leadership, the more vulnerable, they talk about leading from your limp, the more you can put those pieces out there. It's like, oh, we can talk about that here. All right. You know what? I'm struggling right now. You too. Um, or maybe I'm not struggling in the same way. That's okay. I'm glad I'm in this with you. And uh, can I listen? Can I pray with you? Can I resource you if you're open to that? We can actually be the church to a greater extent. So let me push back then. I'll play devil's advocate. Yeah, please. But what is the danger in that, that now you're enabling this type of behavior. So if the goal is to be released from mental health, if, if pastors and preachers are constantly, you know, saying this, that it's okay to be like, this is okay. Are people going to now like, like the danger would be, Oh, well, if it's okay to be that, that I'm going to sit in this, I'm going to keep receiving, uh, this care or maybe for on the wrong end of it, I'm going to keep receiving this attention. And by, by nature of that, the pastor is enabling, uh, this type of behavior. So how do, how do you balance that? Yeah, I think uh, if I was going to lean one direction over the other, I would rather lean on enabling because we're talking about it and entering in than on the other end of just like almost condemning, um, shutting down. So uh, if it's great, I would lean into let's just assume this is an issue for them and they need support. Um, yeah, uh, worst case, you're feeding into it somewhat. Um, but I, yeah, I think a big part of it would be, um, uh, yeah, figuring out what is going on for them. Um, if they're if they're holding on to it as more of an excuse type piece, then this is where it's so important to have good, healthy relationships. Because I think healthy relationships have room for challenge. Like we can challenge somebody. We have to be careful. I'm big on listen and understand first. Be curious. And if they're talking about it, and man, I've been struggling with uh, depression for such a long time, and um, I just don't know what to do about it. Well, what have you tried? What does that look like? Don't jump there too quick, but oh, I imagine that's hard and this is really difficult for you. And um, yeah, how can I best support you in that? Or maybe you're praying for them um, and that's your way of entering in and meeting them in the midst of that. Um, but let's say it's like, yeah, they've been in this for a long time and, and this is part of, we just don't know what we don't know. Maybe it is more biological. And they're going to struggle with depression the rest of their life because the neurochemicals are at a different level uh, than for somebody who doesn't struggle. And that's why I'd say err on the we don't know. But there are going to be times where it's somebody's just not doing anything. Actually, here's a better example. Uh, let's say with whether it's sexual addiction or pornography, that, uh, that stuff. 
I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Oh yeah, struggling. Strugg is it actually a struggle? So I'm not. I'm not trying to condemn or or judge, but more of a. And I would ask. So what does that look like for you? What does the struggle look like? And maybe it isn't a struggle actually for them. It's like no, this is just life, and I'm not actually doing anything about it. If you've got a like a loving relationship with them, or at least some relationship equity, then I might just be like, uh, well, what keeps you from leaning into it a little bit more? Um, no, uh, I'm just so defeated or discouraged. Well, then maybe now there's room for encouragement in that person's life. Um, and we can be a support in that. But I'm big on asking questions, being curious. I We do things for a reason, uh, healthy and unhealthy. And let's try to figure that out together. And maybe in that, uh, there'll be a discovery of ways that we could be a better support to them or sometimes in a loving way, challenge them. Like, hey, Jimmy, like you've talked about this being a struggle for a long time. But you haven't you haven't gone to counseling for that. You're not part of a program for it, like a say pure desire or freedom session or something along those lines. Um, and then less of the judgment. What keeps you from doing something like that? Like, is this something that you actually wanna uh, wanna work on? Uh, but hopefully you can hear in how I'm framing that. It's more of the coming alongside. And um, the risk would be, hey, I'm struggling with pornography. Like, well, stop it. Um, why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done that? The message is, I'm on my own in this, and something's wrong with me that I'm not doing anything. No, can I come into this with you and understand it better and maybe challenge or encourage you? Yeah, well, and what you're describing is one of the reasons I love the church is that the church is a family. And what we're doing is we're inviting people to join into that family. And part of the invitation of that is to bear each other's burdens. Because guess what? I might be having a real difficult time in my life right now. And, and Josh, you're, you're helping me. But guess what? There's going to be a time where you're going to go through a really difficult time, and I also want to reciprocate that and be able to come alongside you because that's what families do. Being part of a family, it's not a transactional relationship. It's, it's more of a, hey, we are a, we know the church is a covenant people, we are a community, and we're in this for the long haul. And that's where I, I find it amazing when you hear about people who have been in churches for 30, 40 years. And, and they know people. They've gone through the ups and downs of, of church leadership struggles. They've gone through the ups and downs of, of family deaths. Maybe, you know, there was a, a young child in the congregation who passed away, right? There is this community of people moving with one another. And I, and I just think, especially in our lonely world, having that community is something that I think is very attractive to even our secular uh, world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not we're not meant to do life on our own. Like we are we are so deeply relational. Um, it's part of how God wired us ultimately to be in relationship with Him, but then with each other in the midst of that. And so we're not meant to carry the whole load on our shoulders anyway. That's why we need others and we need community. And so, what better way to love somebody than to reach out and say, "How hey, how are you doing?" Or indirectly saying, "What are you carrying right now? Um, can I have a piece of that?" Uh, because, I mean, if you look at depression, too, a lot of times, and this isn't across the board, it can be that person is carrying this heavy load and it's just on their shoulders and they, they start to implode, essentially. I don't have it in me. I am, I am so tired emotionally and physically in this. But imagine if they could give a piece to someone else and another piece to someone else. And, and, and that may not make it disappear, so to speak. But now we're starting to lift each other up. Uh, because, yeah, like you said, at some point, that person may emerge out of it, and they, and this is the beauty of God working and sanctification and growth and health, they may have strengths that they didn't have before because of what's emerged from the journey God's been 
walking them through. And they may be able to enter into somebody else's depression in ways that they wouldn't have had they not experienced that themselves. It's beautiful. Yeah, definitely. There, there is this, this aspect. We, we talk about Jesus being the wonderful counselor. And one of the things I love about that is the reason we can call Jesus the wonderful counselor is because as a human being, he went through the same pain, the same emotions that we as humans have been through. If we've been betrayed, so Christ was also betrayed by his best friends. If we feel abandoned, Christ was abandoned by his best friends. He was also abandoned by God on the cross. So you have all these instances where, where Christ can, can relate to that. And so he, he's the wonderful counselor, but he also, as we're his ambassadors, we are part of, of his kingdom here on earth. And by our going through some of these things, we don't know the impact that we could actually help in, in the future with other people. And I, I think that's a beautiful mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, I think we, we model Christ by coming alongside people. Uh, as we were talking about like the secular psychology and um, faith Christianity, that was probably one of the biggest uh, aha moments or the connecting moments for me. When I realized that, uh, I mean, the scripture talks about if somebody's thirsty and you give them a drink of water, that's quite practical. I, uh, yeah, it wouldn't necessarily be a, no, 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 you don't need water because um, you actually need Jesus. This water is not going to get you to heaven. Like sometimes people are thirsty and they, they need a drink of water. But to see that coming alongside supporting someone and even asking, how are you doing? Um, we're basically, we're modeling Christ to them. That is powerful. Whether we then share Jesus with them or evangelize, um, and sometimes there's room for that and sometimes there isn't there's still, we are then being Jesus to them in the midst of it. Um, and we can do that um, explicitly or implicitly. And, and I think that was probably the biggest aha for me um, because I don't have to then run around and wear a sign, Jesus loves you in there. I'm wearing the sign by actually loving somebody, by asking them how they're doing. Uh, maybe even more explicitly praying for them in this. Um, that's how we impact the culture. That's how we impact society. Because Jesus understands he lived it for us so that we can then live it out here on earth by his power. And we've got the Holy Spirit in us to actually help cue us to, hey, go talk to that person. That, they need you right now. Pray for that person, either with them or for them. That's that natural, supernatural. Like That saddens me that we wouldn't then tap into that more so because we've got direct access. To I've got the wonderful counselor that walks around with me everywhere I go. Yeah. Well, Josh, thank you for being a, a part of the program again, and just wanted to say thank you for your wisdom, your insight, and you using your practice and all this knowledge you accumulated just to, to share it with others. So really appreciate it and look forward to having you back. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dan. Thanks for listening today. We can't stress the importance of mental health enough, so thanks to Dr. Josh Cruz for joining us for part two of the conversation with Daniel and giving us some practical tips for a healthier state of mind. Whether you struggle with your mental health or not, it is something that has impacted each and every one of us, which is why this episode has been so critical in our time today, where mental health and mental illness are so prevalent. In Doubt is all about answering the tough questions of faith in God and the Bible. If this is something you'd like to be a part of, would you consider partnering with us? Your gift would mean so much as we continue answering the tough questions of life and faith that young adults are asking. Check out our website to give today. 
If you've been enjoying the In Doubt podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Shoot us a message on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or send us an email to info at indoubt.ca, letting us know how In Doubt has shaped your worldview or answered some of the toughest questions that life has thrown at you. And we can't wait to see you next week when Isaac is here with guest Rick Heemstra for a conversation about young adults, the church, and why so many young people are abandoning their faith. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.